Thank you so much, Tim. Hey, it's really great to be here with you this morning. Um, I, I'm so grateful to the Hillcrest Chapel family because you've been such a blessing in, in, in all our lives, in Teresa's life and in mine. Just want to say a big thank you to you. But before I begin, um, I want to tell you something that I did this morning. Well, we came off the exit at Bellingham. I saw welcome to Bellingham. I think I got too excited. And as I came off, I started driving on the left-hand side of the road. Uh, to me, that's the correct side of the road, right? But I, I, for a moment, and then I had to veer away. <laughs> if you happen to see me driving today and I suddenly, you see a car coming towards you, no, it's one of these crazy Sri Lankans, okay? All right. <laughs> I've got to tell you that driving here is boring. I mean, you have no cows crossing. Uh, you have no dogs wandering around. And I have even had the occasional monkey jump on top of my hood. It makes life really interesting. I mean, here it is very staid. You've got to stay in your lane. You've got to, you know, do all these, all these things. But, you know, I want to say a big thank you to the Hillcrest Chapel family because, I mean, you have invested so much in my wife as CCF, uh, as I told Brady this morning, and I really appreciate Brady and Shirley and, and what they have done. I mean, raised up and mentored so many leaders over the years. I really appreciate that. And I want to say a big thank you to all the pastors of, of Hillcrest Chapel. Thank you for standing behind us and actually for, for believing in us and, and, and helping us to stay on the front lines as we do ministry in Sri Lanka. Really, really appreciate that. Therese has been in Sri Lanka for 30 years. And from time to time, I have asked her, darling, do you want to go home? She says, no. She says, God has called me here. And I really appreciate that. You know why? Because sometimes, you know, it can be hard in Sri Lanka. And you know, after a while of asking those questions, I decided I'm not going to ask it anymore. Because she is focused, she's decided, and she wants to be in Sri Lanka. And that I am truly grateful for. Um, but being in Sri Lanka can be difficult, especially in the early years as she was there. But if you are called, if you are committed well to what God has called you to do, that makes all the difference. Uh, before uh, leaving Sri Lanka, the papers reported an incident. And I must tell you that there's a lot of political unrest uh, in Sri Lanka at the moment. In fact, we even missed our flight to come here. First time I've ever missed a flight. There were two protests on the, on the streets and there were people, you know, laying on the, on the road and they wouldn't move because of a situation in Sri Lanka. But the article described several opposition politicians going to a temple and breaking a huge amount of coconuts. And, you know, they did this, you know, because they wanted to bring down a curse on the present Sri Lankan government. And they want to, wanted to topple the government. I read the article and I went, duh. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, being able to sway your gods to get them, you know, to do whatever your whims and your fancies, you know, desire. If you have gods like that, who needs gods like that? See, this is where the God of the Bible is so unique. He is so different. He cannot be swayed by our whims and our fancies. And although we try to sway him, he is unmoved because 
He acts according to His nature. And our God is a holy God. He is in a category all by Himself. I mean, He is in a class of His own. Aren't you glad that our God is unique? Can you imagine if he could be swayed, you know, by the breaking of coconuts? What would this world be like? I mean, then the man, I mean, who can buy the most number of coconuts is going to win. And he's going to win all the time. Where's the justice in that? No, our God is a holy God. Amen. I like what Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 says. It says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. Do you know your God? If you understand Him, if you know who He is, He's a God who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. So we all stand on the same platform before Him. And that is something truly to rejoice about. My my, uh, title this morning is, My Breaking Point, God's Turning Point. Are you ready? My Breaking Point is God's Turning Point. Isaiah 40 verses 28 to 31. Isaiah 40 verses 28 to 31. Let me read it to you. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's Isaiah chapter uh, chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. You know, everyone has a story to tell. Even the people who seem to smile all the time. As a young pastor, I saw people who seemed well-adjusted. I mean, people who were so happy, like as though they didn't have a care in the world. But then as I got to know them, as I was walking with them, as I spent time by their hospital beds, or when I walked into their homes and visited with them and shared a cup of tea, I would hear the stories. I mean, everybody has a story of sadness. Everybody has a story of failure. A story of a broken marriage, a story of a child with an incurable disease, a story of alcohol abuse or drug uh, addiction, or a story of financial disaster or of dreams that have been dashed. See, every face has its own secret story. And if you take the time to, to talk to people, to sit down with someone and to ask them, tell me your story, you will hear stories of pain and heartache. All of us come to a breaking point sooner or later. The phone rings and a voice says, I've got bad news. A failed exam. The test came back positive. The child died. She said, no, we're getting a divorce. The company doesn't need you anymore. I'm being sued. A friendship suddenly ends. Suicide, 
a move to a new job, maybe thousands of miles away, or you discover there is another woman or another man. And when things like this happen, I mean, time stops, time freezes. Life will never be the same again. How will you find the strength to move on? See, we turn for insight to the ancient prophet, the words of Isaiah. In chapter 40, he writes to his own people, a nation that is in exile in Babylon. And in their despair, they are wondering, has God forgotten me completely? But in reply, the prophet reminds them that God is a great God. I mean, he reminds them of the incomparable greatness of God. And for Isaiah, everything begins and ends with God. Nothing in life can be understood apart from God. So to a people whose faith had come to a breaking point, Isaiah points them back to God. His words speak to every one of us who are struggling at a break point in your life at this moment. I would like you to talk to the person next to you. Would you do that? Would you say to the person next to you, our God is unique? Would you tell the person next to you kindly, our God is unique? And would you further tell them, he is the everlasting God? Oh, I like that. You're getting louder. That's wonderful. See, do you not know Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Because he is the everlasting God, he has no beginning and he has no end. I mean, take a line and draw it from infinity to infinity. And when you come to the end of infinity, there you will find God. My dad told me the story of the first Russian astronaut. His name was Yuri Gagarin. And when he was asked by a reporter, did you see God? He pompously and arrogantly said, I was too fast for God. Today, Yuri Gagarin's voice is stilled. It's never heard. It won't be heard. But but God's voice bellows loud and clear. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord is the everlasting God. He stands above and beyond anything. He is wholly other. He is totally different. He stands above and beyond anything that we can even imagine. He stands in a class of his own, far above humans, far above the angels, far above the fiery seraphims that hover over his presence, that cover their eyes with their wings because they cannot see him face to face, his glorious presence. He is high and lifted up, as Isaiah said in his vision. There are no deficiencies in him. He does not decay. He doesn't change. He doesn't grow weary. And so we pray and we hear his answer into our lives. Lord, can you take care of my problem? It is no problem for me, my child. Lord, have you seen this before? I have seen it many times, my child. Lord, you won't believe the mess that I'm in. And God says, try me. Lord, will you be there when I need you? And he says, I was there before you. 
I will be there after you. I'll always be there. See, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. No problem can be too great for him because he made the things that are causing the problems in your life as well. And we ask him, Lord, can you handle it? Handle it? I made it. When we came to the States, we brought an iPhone 6 with us that, that was owned by a guy from our church. And his camera had got faulty. And we brought it over to get repaired over here. And would you believe, 20 minutes, it was all completed at the Apple store. And we were on our way home. Because the Apple company stood by their warranty. Isaiah 40, 28. You know, it is the believer's warranty for all of life's problems. And God's warranty doesn't end after a year or two. It lasts forever. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. See, because he stands by his word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of the Lord will never pass away. Would you stand on his word at the breaking points of your life? If you do, it will become God's turning point for you. Are you in talking terms with the person next to you? Would you do it again for me? Our God, would you talk to the other person that you didn't talk to the first time? Turn to the other person and say, Our God is unique. Our God is unique. And then continue on to say, He gives strength to the weary. Thank you so much. The word of God says in verse 29 of chapter 40 of Isaiah, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. See, weary is what happens when you work to the point of exhaustion. See, that never happens to God because His strength has no limits whatsoever. He is never too tired to help you and He's never too preoccupied with someone else's problem that He cannot listen to yours. His tank never runs out of gas. And if I, if I may put it in a human terms, He never answers so many prayers that He cannot wake up the next day in the morning. See, he says to us in Matthew 11:28, "Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He will give you the strength for whatever you need and what whenever you need it and to do whatever needs to be done. He will give you the power to go on." There was a young couple in my church. They came to my office and they were tired. And they were weary. They longed to have a child. They had prayed. They had fasted. They had consulted the best doctors. And somehow to no avail. They were both in tears in my room. And at their wits end. With all their hopes dashed. And, and, and their dreams like slowly whittling away. I had counseled them on many other occasions for the same situation. But you know, I told them while they were in my office, I said, look, you are having tears today, but one day you're going to sit in this office and we are going to laugh about this day because God is going to visit you and he's going to bless you with a baby. 
To God be the glory. You know why I could say that? Because God's word assures us, promises us that we can encourage and strengthen and trust in him and see great things happening. To God be the glory. 13 years later, they were blessed with a baby boy. They live in Australia now and and, and they're enjoying the son that they have. Anthony, the father, loves to tell the story. Whenever someone asks him, When they ask him, do you have any children? His inner response is, I was hoping you would ask. And then he starts his spiel. He's ready to glorify God and say, I was in tears one day, but now I'm full of the joy of the Lord. See, what breaking point are you facing this morning? Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you feeling like your hopes are dashed? Are you feeling like your dreams are dwindling away? Let the words of Isaiah 40, 11 comfort you at this time. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. See, our God is unique. He's not only high and lifted up, but he's a God who's close by, who's imminent. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 1.23, it says, uh, you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. He came to this earth in his incarnation. He was born in order to walk with us. He will give you the strength you need at every breaking point of your life. And he will make it a turning point for the glory of God. Are you ready to talk to your neighbor again? This time would you do this? For the first part, talk to this neighbor. And then for the second part, would you talk to the other neighbor? The first part is, our God is unique. He calls us to hope in Him. I'm so glad you're in talking terms with your neighbors. This is practice for heaven. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Some translations say, wait upon the Lord. Waiting in hope, waiting is perhaps the hardest discipline of the Christian life. Most of us hate to wait. In the grocery line, um, or wherever, or for those lattes as you're waiting, you know, most of us hate to wait. Our travel... (coughs) Pardon me. Our travel time to the U.S., along with all the layovers worked out to be 36 long hours. Needless to say, we were tired of waiting. Of course, we purposely did it because my wife has DVT, and the more stops we have, the better it is for her. But it takes less time to get to Sri Lanka because I would love for more of you to come. If I say 36 hours, you'll never come there. But would you believe there's a CCF team that is coming and we arrive in Sri Lanka on the 16th of March and they'll be arriving on the 18th of March. 15 members from CCF coming there and we are looking forward to the time that they're going to have there. You know, need... Yes! (laughs) All the CCFers, yes! Like I told you, needless to say, we were tired of waiting. But that sort of waiting is trivial compared 
to a wife who's waiting for a wayward husband to come home, or a cancer patient who's waiting for the results of their tests, their latest tests, or friends and loved ones who are waiting for the results of a surgery. Our text reminds us that we are not waiting for something but that we are waiting for someone. We are waiting for the Lord. We are waiting and we are hoping in the Lord. So this is not waiting with passive resignation saying it's hopeless. I can't do anything about it. It's waiting for the Lord, which is the highest expression of our faith. In other words, you pray as Psalm 5 says, leave your request at His feet and you wait in expectation. That is waiting in faith. In other words, you're saying, God, I know you are going to resolve this situation. I don't know how, I don't know when, but you are going to do it. I'm not giving up. I am waiting on him. I think of uh, a a young boy while we were here in the States just this past week. I got a text message saying that a little guy, nine-year-old boy called Ariel had dengue fever. And it had devastated him so much. Would you believe the platelet count dropped to a low 75? That is scary. What do you do when you see your son in a hospital bed down with dengue? The doctors can only do so much. It's a touch and go situation. You, I mean, he could die. You are helpless. But the psalmist David would say, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. In other words, nonetheless, nevertheless, put your hope in God. And in the meantime, what do you do? While you're waiting, what do you do? Elizabeth Elliot said it well as she spoke on doing God's will. She said that when you feel confused, when you feel uncertain, and you don't know what to do next, and you don't see the bigger and the larger picture, she said, just get up and do the next thing. There is always a next thing to be done. It may be small, it may be trivial, but there's always something to be done. It may be just getting out of bed. It may be just going back to work. It may be just washing and cleaning or writing a note or making a phone call or paying your bills or picking up your kids. Do the next thing. And she goes on to say, in doing the next thing, even when you are confused, the next thing after that will be revealed to us. And eventually, though it may take a while, we will begin to see the way forward. And in those uncertain times, you make a choice to trust in the living God, to put your hope in Him and to say, I'm going on with my life with some doubts and some uncertainty, and often with tears as well, I'm going on nonetheless. He will give you the strength to soar, to mount up with wings as eagles. He will give you the strength to run, to run and not be weary. He will give you the strength to walk, to walk and not faint. But what happens if after you waited after you've hoped, and after uh, everything, the child dies, or a young person dies, or a teenager dies, what do you do? I have had to bury some babies as a pastor, and it is one of the most heart-wrenching experiences for me. But even in such sad moments like that, the Bible stands out to offer words of comfort. I have been a pastor for 28 years and I have done many funerals. And while our funeral procession is weaving through the cemetery, 
Usually, there are other funerals going on as well. Buddhist funerals and Hindu funerals. And the characteristic difference that I notice is that in the Christian funerals, we are singing. You know, because we have something to sing about. We sing when we are born. We sing when we are married. We sing when we are buried. Because there is a song to sing and there is hope beyond the grave. I mean, this book gives us strength in life and it gives us strength in death as well. Our God is unique for He is the everlasting God. He gives strength to us in our times of weakness and even when we are facing death. And He calls us to hope however bleak things may seem. And even if death is staring us in the face, He says, still hope in me because I have plans for you even after your death. He has plans for us, life after death. That's where Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, you are going to come and live with me forever and forever. John 14, 1 says, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. And when I prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will take you to be with me forever and forever. What a deal. I mean, you, you have him helping in life, you have him in death, and you're going to live in his presence forever and ever. Romans 15, 13 says it beautifully. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I invite you this morning, I challenge you this morning to hope in Him alone, as Psalm 146 says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Tell me, are you allowing your breaking point to become God's turning point in your life? If not, what do you need to change in order to see that God is more than enough in your life? And secondly, will you follow Elizabeth Elliot's challenge? Keep doing the next thing this week. Because our God in His uniqueness will lead and He will guide you. May your breaking point become God's turning point in your life. I want to end with a story. I'm known to smile a lot in church, but behind my smiles too, there's a sad story, a tough story, but thank God, God turned it around. My wife was preaching for me, and she had a fall. I won't go into too many details, and we had to rush her to the hospital. And from that, uh, she got DVT, and uh, the doctor didn't look after her as well in Sri Lanka. And you know what? She even got a pulmonary embolism. Things were so bleak. I was crying. I was weeping. I thought, God, am I going to lose her? It was that close. It was that close. And you know what? Thank God. In spite of all the doubts, the uncertainties, the hope, the faith, it's there. But God brought her through powerfully. And today, I mean, just a few days ago, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. It's God's goodness. It's God's favor. I mean, when we serve Him, He's unique. 
He's a God who's in control of everything. Although sometimes you may say, God, where are you? What's happening in my life? But he's there and he wants to help you through every circumstance, every situation in your life. Would you say, God, I want to see you high and lifted up in my life. I want to see you as the everlasting God who's there from beginning to end. You'll be there once I leave. You'll always be there. And Father, my hope and my trust is going to be in you. And I pray that you will make a decision today in your heart and say, God, I want to put my hope and my trust in you, the living God. He will walk with you. He will strengthen you. He'll give you the strength you need to walk on. And then would you make sure to continue to do the next thing in your life. And when you do that, he will lead you step by step. And you will have victory upon victory as you put your hope and your trust in the living God. Would you do that this morning? Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Father, I pray for every one of your children here. I thank you that you're a God who's high and lifted up. Lord, you are amazing. You are in a class of your own. And Father, yet you decided to move among your people. You came to this earth. And Lord, you showed us how to live. And you're grabbing us by the hand and saying, I will help you step by step. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. Father, lead us along, I pray. And I pray that today we will decide in our hearts to say, God, you are God. You are the everlasting God. You are the unique God. You're the one who's going to take me through my breaking points. And Father, I pray that you will turn every breaking point here in the lives of your children into God's turning point in their lives. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.